0: Hello oh, and welcome to Flip the Library, Gwinnett County Public Libraries podcast. And my name is Melissa Gramat, the manager at the Snellville Library.
1: And I'm Steve Thomas, manager of the Collins Hill Branch. And we are very happy to be recording this episode from our 2019 Staff Day, where our theme is Better Together our guest today is Rebecca Miller, who is our keynote speaker for today. She is the editorial director of Library Journal and School Library Journal. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast and thank you for coming to our staff day.
2: It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Glad
1: to be so we wanted to get started by asking, how did you get started in both libraries and publishing? And what was kind of that? What was first and how did they kind of come together for you to in your career?
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a long story, so I won't go into all the details. But libraries have been a part of my life throughout my life. I've used them uh, throughout my life, but with varying degrees of engagement over time. When I um, moved to New York, I moved to New York from Minneapolis, and in Minneapolis, I worked at a magazine called Utney Reader, and Utney Reader covered a lot of books and did other things, and. Uh, Basically, during my time at Utney Reader, which is where I was kind of cutting my teeth in magazine publishing, I started reviewing books and getting into book reviewing and book criticism. And so I decided that I wanted to be a reviews editor, because, of course, there are so many jobs for reviews editors in the world. <laughs> and so I started applying for those jobs in New York, because, of course, New York is, the, is a hub of publishing. And much, much later, after much searching and much help from a lot of people, I landed a job as a reviews editor at Library Journal, so I entered this phase of my career through reviewing because when I arrived at Library journal i wasn 't really thinking about libraries, although I did visit libraries to talk to them about the magazine, and people were it was very interesting what I learned about the magazine by talking to people about how they used it. But reviewing came first, and so I was really entering from the collection side and but i didn 't know that until I launched. I helped launch a magazine called Criticus Magazine, which was a review of Spanish language materials in English. So the reviews were actually published in English. This was uh, decades ago now. But during that process, I learned much more about sort of the, the, the workings of libraries. So here I was at Library Journal as a reviews editor, not really knowing much about libraries from the inside yet. And then I started to learn about libraries from the inside And I was captivated by how interesting they are, how complex, how varied, how challenged. And I basically fell in love with libraries in a very broad sense and deep sense. And that's when I basically decided to go get my library degree and started to really think about libraries in a new way.
0: So you have an interesting connection to GCPL. A decade or so, um, you work with our own Michael Casey on a column for um, a Library Journal. Do you have any memories of that time that you'd like to discuss? Good
2: memories. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, first of all, working with Michael is a real pleasure, and, and the Michaels. There are two Michaels on that column, the Transparent Library column. And I was thinking about this, and, and actually Michael's worked on a couple of other things over the years with LJ, but... I was looking back at those columns when I was thinking about coming down here, and it is very interesting to me how resonant they are now. There are some things that are just fundamental in them about how you connect with community and how you, how you communicate with patrons, how you think about patrons, how you think about each other, and how you think about leadership. And uh, so they're very resonant now, and I think that's something not all columnists can look back at what they've done and say that still is meaningful. Um, and so I was thinking, wow, we really have to pull those forward again. <laughs> but, yeah, real pleasure to work with. He and Michael really framed that kind of thinking in a, in a then in a very original way that brought forward a great conversation that libraries needed at that time.
1: Yeah, I know a couple of years ago they put it together into a book, and it's nice to go back and read those. Yeah. You talked about how you came to Library Journal in the first place and how you came to get your library degree, Uh, but now you're the editorial director of both Library Journal and School Library Journal. Um, How do those? How do you see those audiences overlap, and how do they differ?
2: Yeah, it's a great question because there are some misunderstandings about it. Um, Library Journal is Library Journal, so it covers you would think all libraries except with the sister of School Library Journal, we have some things that we throw back and forth at each other because we want to make sure that we're covering widely and we, of course, only have as much space to do everything as we want. So basically, School Library Journal publishes coverage of school libraries, and you would think that's that would be the end-all and be-all. But actually, School Library Journal also has a broad focus on public library services, youth services, children's and teens and tweens, and so the name can, can be confusing because it doesn't capture and express that. But so School Library Journal covers a lot of that, some management issues, but really it, lots of programming, lots of collections oriented stuff, um, lots of issues based coverage. And Library Journal does more management. In general, more sort of best practices and operational kind of things, administrative kind of level things, as well as then trends for academic public libraries. And we touch on special libraries and other, and we refer to school libraries, but generally we don't do broad coverage in LJ of that. In SLJ, we tend to do vast coverage of school libraries. So it complements over the mix, but the two definitely point at each other all the time.
0: You've done a lot of cross-library work, bringing different kinds of libraries together. What are the benefits of libraries breaking out of their echo chambers to listen to and enter dialogue with other types of libraries, say, public libraries working with school libraries or academic libraries?
2: If we think of libraries as truly lifelong institutions, what does that actually mean in how we set up the next library for a patron Right, So often people think of their services in their library as for their service population at that use. But if you think about how a patron experiences libraries or a person, they're moving through their lives. They're not thinking about the library. They're just moving through their lives. And so where can the library, where can a library, touch that patron's life in order to help them and be of service throughout their lifespan? And in order to really think about that, you have to think across institution type. So you have to be thinking a kid is using the public library preparing for school moving into school then hopefully there's a school library there to help guide them through that process and get them what they need but even then they have homework after school and they have to pass off to the school to the sorry to the public library and then that's a trade off during the K12 years and then what happens next they move into an academic setting and so hopefully they're ready for that but they need to be prepared for, to use those those libraries and then moving on, they graduate from college, and either they go back to libraries or they don't, and hopefully they do, and then they you know, rinse and repeat. They are moving through life, and as they change and experience things, hopefully there's a library there to connect to. And maybe they're in a corporation where then a library is present or they're in some special setting where they run, it, run up against libraries. So I really think of breaking down the... The barriers and the silos between libraries as really being about enabling that continuity of access for a person as they experience the challenges and opportunities in their lives. And if we're purposeful about that, we create access points and pathways for them to have that resource available to them.
1: That's great. You talked about how you kind of got into library journal in the first place with kind of through the reviews. So, um, I think the importance to collection development librarians is clear for reviews, but how do, libra- how do you see reviews helping frontline library staff in their work?
2: Um, really as a reader's advisory tool, I mean, I think all the time frontline staff need to know stuff that they just need to know, right? Someone's going to ask them a question about a book or they're going to say, hey, what I, I saw this thing and they're going to need that reference point and reviews can help them that they can trust to make a recommendation, or they just give them a little more base of knowledge to work from, even if they're not exactly expert in a certain area. And where libraries are librarians and people on the front lines of libraries who aren't librarians are always being pushed beyond any, you know, their expertise because they're being pushed to be really expert at everything, and <laughs> nobody can be so, so expert. And the patron approaching a person working in the library, of course, doesn't know whether they're someone who's trained in readers advisory or trained in you know as a collection development librarian they think that they are the person who's going to help them right now and so a review uh, you know being immersed in understanding what's coming out and what's good and what's not good can just give you so much more to stand on when you're in those conversations if
0: library staff are interested in writing reviews how can they get involved in that Um, what's the process like
2: Okay, we would be really excited to hear from you. First of all, we love reviewers, and we hope that if you are interested, please reach out. Um, There is a a process, so that you can go onto the websites and there you can. uh, There's a, a short application process, and we connect you to the reviews editors, who then figure out what you're really interested in. If you're passionate about an area, if there's some way, you know, some area that you're really most interested in reviewing, or if you're a generalist, you know, we can experiment. Uh, and see what you're strongest at doing. And then there's support for around the training, around the reviewing, and you get set up to do it. And so you can reach out via the websites. There's a there's documentation there. Or you can always just come straight to me, and I'll connect you with the right people.
1: Great. Um, so what are some of the projects at Library Journal that you've led or worked on that you felt has had the most impact on libraries?
2: I'm really lucky. I get to work on fun, diverse, and really uh, wide-ranging projects, and I'm proud of a lot of the work that we've done at SLJ and at LJ over the years. I think that when I think of my my career and what I've focused on, I think we brought forward the idea of green libraries as something to take a real powerful stance on as public institutions early and, and started to uh, posit that that was something that we had the responsibility to do as libraries. And so we covered lead, lead design principles and things like that early on, and we showcased libraries that were moving forward in that. Um, we discussed uh, climate change early uh, as something that was a factor for libraries to be thinking about. And that work for me as individually and as an editor has progressed towards my involvement in the Sustainable Libraries Initiative, which is something out of the New York Library Association, so and that group is really focused on codifying a way for libraries to take sustainable thinking to a new level. So it's not just buildings, which are super important. Our infrastructure is really important. But then moving that into how the library can help their community prepare for the issues that all of our communities are going to face and be, be an institutional leader in helping the community face resilience planning and the challenges that are coming and help to be a source of information for their communities and help be there as a leader through this very massive challenge. And so that I think, when I think about all of the things that libraries have to grapple with, this challenge around climate change and our ability to be a leader through it is one of the great opportunities of our time. It's also something we're really far behind on and something that the whole culture is far behind on, so we have to get really serious about it. But I hope that we've made a difference so far.
0: So we just talked about how important it is to think about the future and um, plan ahead. Um, Libraries are ever-changing organizations, and our own GCPL attempts to stay ahead of the curve, which accelerates the pace of change. Um, How can library staff best prepare themselves for this
2: changing environment? It's a great question. It's, you know, fundamental to our organizations is staff readiness to be Uh, in a state of flux and have that not be a a chaotic and disruptive thing, but rather be hopefully even energizing and exciting because the idea of change is not to change for the sake of it, but to change because the organization is flexing to better serve the community's needs. And if that is what's being communicated and the culture supports the person moving through a change time with that, Mission at heart, then I think you can embrace the change instead of being afraid of the change because it's about doing more better than doing just like, oh, things are getting mixed up on and my day is ruined or something like that. <laughs> and I think that most people are in libraries because they are service-oriented and if they get anchored in the fact that change is for this improvement of services and is actually something that makes the library more relevant than ever to each patron and more successful over time then it's an exciting thing to be in but that means that you have to know all of that and sometimes change is just kind of hard you know and it disrupts your day and it's really you know and sometimes sometimes it's communicated better than other times and things like that and we all know this to be true so part of it is just recognizing that change is not unique to libraries Pretty much every institution in our world is going through rapid change, and so you're going to face it anywhere you go, so it's best to probably say, How, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm prepared for this and I'm, and I'm ready? And sometimes that means, you know, getting more training or something like that, but sometimes it's also about saying, hey, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm going to get the information that I need, and if I need more information, I'm going to ask for it. And, um, and if it means that you're in times of real duress or stress it means taking really good care of yourself and making sure that you ask for support
1: yeah like you said i mean at the end of the day it all comes back to serving the community in the best way possible. absolutely
2: hopefully it can be exciting
1: yes yes right right not not just yeah day to day drudgery of well, I'm helping the community but blah, blah, blah. but you want to be excited you be excited yourself, not just to be exciting your community so yeah.
2: yes, exactly, and if you're invested in the why you're there and if you're invested in the reason for the service, then you're going to be more able to embrace change and flex with the times
1: so we talked a little bit about climate change, which is obviously a very big issue, but um, are there some of other, other big issues that libraries are facing now nationwide
2: so the there are lots of issues that libraries are facing because they're community based organizations um, and so when you think about the, you know there are lots of different micro trends and things like that, but the main thing that I would say that we're <coughs> grappling with in in libraries or a main thing is the fact that the social infrastructure is is weakened right now and so public libraries especially are in this position of being a service agency that's present in communities where other services are not necessarily as present as they need to be. And, and, and public libraries are also pretty ubiquitous. So if you think of not, they're not everywhere, everywhere, but there are a lot of them they there, and they are connected to their community. So as trusted institutions, people rely on them. And sometimes that can mean that there's a tension around whether a uh, need is really a library service versus not. And so as that changes uh, and as needs get expressed by communities, the library is being put in a position sometimes of saying, is this a library issue? Is this something that we do as, li- as libraries? Or is it some other problem uh, that we can turn our backs on? And I think increasingly libraries are seeing that pretty much almost every need has a library strand to it. So what is the library response to, a, to an issue that you're seeing in your community? So, instead of maybe in the past when you would say, oh, we're going to just think of that as like for some other agency. Now it's more like, how do I connect this person to that service that they need from that other agency? How do I embrace and hear this challenge from this patron and then help them find that resource? Or how do I rebuild how we think about our services as a library and say, okay, we're going to understand that our community is different or changing or something. And so this flexibility about sort of embracing the changing dem- demographics but also just the fact that people have people are whole people when they walk into the library. And so how is it that you create service and philosophy that is going to say the library will help in some way. But what is that way? And that's been that's very that can be very challenging for for libraries to go through and it's there's a lot of pressure on libraries and there's and that's something that you know every pretty much every library and every community is grappling with.
0: Thank you for that answer. I think that summed it up nicely. Um, GCPL just started um, having a social work intern at one of our branches to try to address um, some of those issues, and especially access to information. So I think that was spot on. We just finished talking about some weighty issues, but now we're going to talk about... um, some trends that are just
2: around the corner.
0: Um, what do you see um, for libraries in the near future?
2: I'm not sure it's much lighter, but <laughs> there is some more light maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I think really uh, there will be real challenges around resilience planning and then the library is really grappling with that. That's uh, an opportunity, but it's also uh, you know that will change the way libraries interact with their communities. So that trend, and that's uh, that trend, is not an internal trend that's being forced upon us, right? So that's something that we we need to think about, and that will affect how services are deployed and how we think about our institutions in our communities. There are also things that I think are kind of um, when you think about how libraries interact with their communities, how people interact with libraries. We've seen the rise of participatory libraries and people, basically the concept that people come to libraries not just to get a thing, but to do a thing, right, to be in community, to make their community together when they're in a common space. And libraries are one of those common spaces. Not all libraries are actually caught up on how to do that and actually provide spaces that enable that and also maybe go into community to help that develop. So that is going to be a continuing it it is something that's already in motion but i think the momentum around that is going to continue to grow and be really important there's also i think uh we're going to continue to sort of grapple with collection balance the issues around collection balance with digital resources especially ebooks streaming things like that that are that change the nature of our collections and and you know and make people think that you know Libraries maybe don't need to have collections. That's not true. Libraries will have collections. Print is live and well. Book-rich culture is part of what we are and will be, and books are very, very resilient. But we're balancing resources around that physical copy and eBooks and that conversation around how to enable access to materials is going to be really important over time. And I know that pretty much all, uh, all library leadership is engaged in that question.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us on the podcast. And thank you for joining us for our staff day.
2: Pleasure
0: to be here. Thank you for your time.